Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. So today we're sitting down with Adrian and Shaquita. They are both members of the Street Beat team, and I'm going to let them tell us what the Street Beat team is and what they do in our community. I'm Shaquita. Street Beat is a collaborative team between Walker's Point Youth and Family Center and Pathfinders. Um, we're a three-member team that goes out Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. on different sides of towns, various sites. We're out there in the community sitting in the truck helping youth with preventative services, housing, basic needs, um, just meeting the youth where they are. We work with, uh, this, I'm Adrian. Uh, we work with young people that are from 12 to 21, and we really are targeting young people that um, don't already access services. Um, the young people that, whether it's because they're ducking um, criminal charges or whether they're ducking, you know, uh, foster care or CPS services that aren't engaging in services that are, are kind of slipped between the cracks in our community. And our job is to, um, re-engage them and get them successfully um, involved in things that can better their life and and really work advocating for these young people and making them feel safe within these services. Uh, Because we um, work with older teens and young adults, a lot of the stuff that we do is like transition into adulthood kind of stuff. And adult services aren't the same as youth services. So it, it's very common that our young people get very frustrated um, when they try to go access services across the city. And it really, our job is to go with them and give those um, independent living skills that they maybe didn't get um, when they were younger for whatever reason and, and teach them like, well, this is the way you access services successfully. This is how you successfully get what you need and ask for what you need in the, um, uh, to be successful. And so it um, really, we are able to, we're a harm reduction program, so we're able to continue to work with them no matter kind of where they're at in their life and, and get them engaged in, in a productive way. So you go out into different neighborhoods in our community, and can you talk about a, a typical day? Like what kind of people are you meeting when you're doing your outreach? There's never a typical day for us. So um, we meet some of everyone from homelessness to survival sex workers to um, people who are just couch hopping, um, those who may just need basic needs to get them to the next month, um, or those who need health care or most of our girls are just going to Planned Parenthood for the first time, and we're just there helping them with that because it can be a scary thing sometimes. Yeah, yeah I, I think that it, it is so diverse, and though that we are funded and we specifically search for young people within that age range of 12 to 21, we really engage with um, the community at large. Um, what kind of what we do is we have a different neighborhood we go to every day and we're out from Tuesday to Friday in the neighborhoods. We have a site schedule and we sit at specific sites um, and really engage with people in a very real way and it's a a very unique way to see Milwaukee is to go sit somewhere like on 27th and Burleigh and and talk to the people of that community 
And so part of that is you can't just talk to the young people because it is important to engage everyone that is so you are a part of that community. We're not in a building. We're not um, enclosed. We have to have one foot in the world that we're in as well as one foot in our, in our professional sense. So um, we talk to just about everyone, whether that is just, you know, that old guy that always stands outside of the store, um, the store owners. Um, we specifically do a lot of safer sex education around the uh, um, young people population and teaching them kind of what is safe, proper ways, and in a very real way, or what is a myth. We, we do a lot of myth busting. Um, so we have people that look for us. Like we pull up and there are gatekeepers in every site that kind of like, and a lot of times they do tend to be like the older ladies that have been in part of that neighborhood forever come up. And, and it's really common for people to be like, what are you? What are you doing out here? because our truck is marked and it says our program name and our phone numbers on the side. And so people get really curious. And so it is really engaging with um, the neighborhood um, community in, in a really, really amazing way, um, in, a, in a very honest way. What were the first couple days like, you know, going out into communities that you weren't familiar with and getting to know those people? Did, were there struggles? I know you said now you're embraced, but what was it like when you first started? Street Beat's been around since 96. So it was, I've been with the program for, a, it'll be 11 years in September. But I was really um, trained by a very strong, um, 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 very well-educated um, man that his name is Chafin Coleman. Um, when I came in, and I actually came in as our third team member, it's in AmeriCorps. So it's a volunteer uh, paid volunteerism. But yeah, it was super intimidating. I, when I first came in, I was really familiar with the South Side. Um, and I knew that very well, but I didn't know the North Side really well. And so it was areas that I had, you know, unfortunately, because of the way our city is set up with its segregation, that you never have to go to if you don't, if you don't live in those neighborhoods. So sitting on 27 the Killboard, I remember being really, really nervous and not knowing what to, um, what to expect. It took me a long time to really get comfortable enough with myself, I think was the first struggle, is getting comfortable enough with being awkward and not knowing yourself and just engage with people as people. But I, I feel like I was really, really blessed to have a, some really strong training and a, a strong role model to go in with. And I think our programs are really good at doing that for us. I came in also as the third um, team member, AmeriCorps, and I grew up in these neighborhoods that I'm actually sitting in. Um, and I thought I had it all figured out. So it was very a very humbling experience for me. Um, I noticed that I kind of played the blind eye to a lot of things. And so it opened my eyes and I was able to see the needs of my community. Because of course, if I'm not going through those things, I don't understand them. Um, and I was just going about my day. But actually being out there, you see, it's like a third eye. It's like you are so aware of everything that's going on. That, I totally was not open to at first. Um, and I'm able to appreciate the people that's in my neighborhood now and what they go through and how they operate. And it's definitely different than Adrienne's experience. So. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a great trainer. She was my <laughs> supervisor when I was in AmeriCorps. So. So you both started as AmeriCorps volunteers, and I imagine you're not still AmeriCorps volunteers. So <laughs> yeah. is there, can you recall a moment in doing this work that affirmed it for you that you wanted to keep doing this? I, I think that I pretty much fell in love with this work, like, 
my second day in. Um, but I didn't know I was in love with it yet. Like um, at one point, because my initial uh, education was in art therapy. And I was going to go back to after my AmeriCorps. That's why I did AmeriCorps, go back and go get my grad degree because you can't practice till you have that. And I actually remember um, my second year of AmeriCorps, I started my uh, grad program and I went through it and I was sitting in those classes and I'm like, this is not what I want to do. I mean, not that that isn't fine, beautiful work to be doing out there in the community, but there's just something so fulfilling about being that initial first person. Like that just hands you a sandwich or some deodorant or just like so much of what we do is just listening to uh, our young people and giving them an ear, like uh, the the sense that somebody cares about them and really wants to hear their perspective on the world. And I just, it made me appreciate how real that was. And I finished my first year of grad school and then never went back. And I knew there was questions like... um, with how I was going to try to manage both. And and I was like, no, I, I think I know what I want to do, and I think it's probably always going to be outreach. Coming into contact with the youth that you're serving, um, when they're excited to see you or tell you how their day is going, whether it's good or bad, or they just want to share something with you, or they tell you how much they appreciate you for just listening to them, or um, the connections you make with the youth and how you see them grow from this scrappy kid that you met on the corner who didn't have anything to a a mother with a full family um, able to survive on her own or a father going through getting custody of his child or being there for his children Um, just seeing them progress through life and being able to become successful people in life and a productive member of society that's the biggest fulfilling moment for me and um, getting that during my AmeriCorps year made me not want to do anything else and um, always just having those faces and those people that you connect with. Like Adrian, did you have a different plan that your outreach work sidetracked? Um, my degree is in criminal justice. I definitely thought I wanted to be a crime scene investigator. Um, and during my internship, my teacher wanted me to try something different versus that and I did my internship at Walker's Point, um, and I fell in love with youth work. And then once I did the AmeriCorps position, I was like, oh, this is so much better. Like, um, So I didn't, I, I didn't want to do anything else, not even with my criminal justice degree or within that field. So um, it definitely deterred my <laughs> plan. <laughs> So when you guys are out, you said that you meet everybody. Do you are there um, certain people in the neighborhood who have become your favorites? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. You got it. <laughs> yes. Um, I wouldn't say we have favorites, but we have our people that we look forward to seeing, or when we don't see them for a while, we're hey, where you been? You know, what's been up? Um, they definitely look out for us out there in the community. They tell us what's going on, or but they definitely look out for us and make us safe and comfortable within the community and keep us up on the knowing mm-hmm. and everything. <laughs> My favorite, we have one that's over off of Burleigh and she is just the most, it's, it's a brother and a sister and they're just phenomenal and they, well, 
they used to listen to the scanner all the time for us. And, like, we'd pull up and they'd be like, and this is what's going on. <laughs> um, but they also, like, know, they collect all the neighborhood gossip for us and, and kind of, like, fill us in. Like, you need to go look over here and you need to do this. And it does tend to be um, a lot of the times, like, um, the people that are outside of our age range, they'll, and they really appreciate. And they'll ask us. Like, I've been driving down the streets and had people stop me um, and be like, can you come around our neighborhood for the next couple of weeks a little bit more? Because it's been, stuff's been going on. Or I've noticed this kid. Um, so people really, I feel like, feel comfortable with us and they know the vehicle and they know our faces and really want to want us in their neighborhoods. I've all, I, more than anything, I just a lot of times feel very like supported. And they and people will be like, you're doing a good thing. Like we hear that at least once a day, like a community member come up and be like, you're doing a good thing. Thanks for doing a good thing. We you know. Appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Did that change at all with the recent events here in Milwaukee with the unrest we had around Sherman Park? Just on the like on the um, every day when we're sitting at our sites, people come up and are more curious and are. I, I feel like though it was a really painful and, and difficult thing for our, our community and being in those neighborhoods where the action actually went down, I feel like it did in a lot of ways. People are awake and they're and they're reaching out to each other like, oh my goodness, we got to do something. And I feel like people have come up to us even more this week and been like, can we have your card? Can what are you doing? You know, or or th- we got a lot of thank yous in the last couple of weeks, and and just like we've seen a lot of really, I keep saying this, we've seen a lot of really beautiful things in the last like week and a half, um, especially with the young people really trying to get engaged in positive ways. Um, we had a young man come up, and he was part of the um, Riverworks project, um, and it's somebody that we've known um, throughout the neighborhoods, and and he has a rough story and had a rough younger life, but here he is now. Now, a proud member of the Riverworks, and he's cleaning up garbage up off of 35th and Center. And he like came up and he was like, "Hey, you guys!" And he was really excited. We hadn't seen him for a while, and he was like really excited to see us. And he's like, "You guys inspire me." And it was just like, "Well, you inspire us." And and so it's been really this um, beautiful like web of support that's I think that a lot of people are trying to create after that. For any of our listeners who don't live in the city of Milwaukee, what would you tell them about our city and encourage them to come? I think that the biggest one is don't believe what the media is always telling you as as exactly how things are going down. Like I feel like so it's so much easier to focus um, for mainstream media, focusing on all the negative that's going on in the city. And there are just, especially around our youth, there are so many wonderful, beautiful programs that ha- are here in the city that support our youth. And we have all these uh, wonderful youth that are, are really working to be strong, productive members of, of the community. And I think it gets, it's easier to focus on those on the young people that are frustrated and are, are maybe turning to violence or um, are bored and are turning to crime. Um, but it's really that look deeper. And, and really, we all need to be part of the solution, even if you're not within our city limits. You know, if you, especially if you're in the near area or in one of the suburbs, we all need to be part of the solution. That's part of what's really the problem is that um, we keep ourselves segregated. What do you think that call to action would be? I think getting involved and knowing people face-to-face is really big, um, as especially if it's not the community that you've grown up in. Um, you know, I don't ever recommend, like, come on down and just... 
you know, hang out. But like uh, at our uh, drop-in center that we have uh, ever at Pathfinders or even the shelter at Walker's Point, we have volunteers. And we have volunteers that are come in and they do programs with our youth. Um, we do. Our youth are very much into com- giving back to the community, so they'll do like community projects with our youth, not for them necessarily, but alongside of them. And it's a beautiful way to get to know people. So it's not just stories on the news. It's not just faces you see um, that look different maybe than yours. It, you know people by their names. You know a little bit of their story. And I think it really helps to see the commonality. We have a lot of people that also come in, our youth, uh, and have dinner with our youth. They bring in a meal. And it's something as simple as cooking something delicious, and then they sit down and they and, and eat it with our youth and get that hour to just chat. And it really is. It's like a big family. Um, and I think for that would heal a lot in our area to just realize the commonalities that we have. Um, just being present for, the, for our community, being present is one of the biggest things. Um, and I don't mean financially, you know, giving anything. Just just being there, lending a listening ear. If you have a, a specialty or an area that you are passionate about coming in and doing it with the youth. Just giving them an outlet to express themselves, a safe outlet, and being that listening ear and not letting it go in one ear and not the other, but take heed to what they're saying because they're, they're hurting and they're crying out right now and um, there's not a lot of people listening. I just want to thank you both for your time today, Um, Adrian and Chiquita, for sitting down with us. Uh, The Street Bee team is awesome. I'm so happy that you guys are doing this work in the community. We will be sure to share links on our blog that will accompany this podcast for people to learn how to get involved, how to volunteer, how to step up, how to be that listening ear. So, again, thank you both so much for your time today. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Street Beat Milwaukee team. Um, Yeah, follow us. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Melissa Hannon, and Brian McCaig. Are you interested in supporting our podcast? We're looking for sponsors at every level to help us underwrite the cost of production and to help us continue sharing the stories that connect us. For more information and to get involved, visit our webpage, www.unitedwaygmwc.org forward slash podcast.